the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome everyone to the USL show. We got Devin Kerr and Mike Watts on the line here. We're having internet problems. So if there's dead silence, it's not my fault. I'm blaming Mike. <laughs> How's it going guys? Yeah, it's me. <laughs> What's up, bro? Bro, you're in a lose-lose. We have the giggles. We got text chains going on. <laughs> slamming everybody in the world. Watts is internet and his head's falling off. I'm like, <laughs> I'm good with this. <laughs> I'm good with this. Uh, you guys got a lot going on and it's great. I'm so glad you were able to take it. We don't have long today, but it's just going to be fun to hang with you guys and talk. Um, you're really busy. And one of the things you're doing right now is uh, channel 157 on Sirius XM FC, the channel of all soccer in uh, on the satellite radio, at least if you get that. Um, I'm just going to say this now because I'll probably forget it later. Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time all year. You guys can log on and check these guys out. Uh, you guys just had a great episode with Landon Donovan. Just listened to it. Uh, did a little last-minute studying on you guys, and uh, it was awesome. Really enjoyed it. You also had the league president, of course, Jake Edwards on. It was really enjoyable. Wish you guys all the best of luck on that. Um, it's kind of long overdue, in my opinion. Really cool that Sirius brought you guys on. So how did that go down, Mike? Did, did that Was that something you've been talking about for a while now? Yeah, it's something we had talked about for a long time. We had USL Coast to Coast a while back, and obviously uh, that sort of pittered out. It was just sort of the way things were going. It wasn't that either side was dissatisfied. It was just um, sort of the nature of, of you know me sort of moving around all the time and calling the number of games I do. And once we got to this year and Court Jeske and, and Matt Fisher and Joe Tullison – all started sitting down and going, Hey, can we get this back? And of course I'm going only if Devin's with me this time. So, you know, we're going to be bringing these giggles every Tuesday night. <laughs> it was fun. Devin, I forgot that you guys did a uh, USL coast to coast. I didn't have the money for uh, satellite radio back then, but, uh, well, um, I, I wasn't on it then to be clear. I, I got, okay. invited on, I got, I got the invite once back then I was just moonlighting as a broadcast analyst. I was, uh, I was still living the formal life as an estate manager driving from, God knows where to get to the studio an hour and 45 minutes to try and hone my craft a little bit to hang out with this guy. But, you know, Mike, to, to kind of echo what he said, I'm, I'm honored to be alongside him because I think it's a great opportunity for the league, first and foremost, for the fans to be involved. We're going to give it a little bit of a different spin this time around. And, you know, uh, we're going to encourage Collins, get some spins going on, have have relationships thicken. And I mean by that in the sense of bridge the gap between fans and players and coaches, you know, get everybody upfront and personal and um i can't imagine anyone else that i'd rather be alongside than tyler terrence but it ended up that it was <laughs> well the way the day's going once you know i had to do something i know tyler's somewhere like finally he remembered me we've had a couple we've had an hour or so of just non-stop giggles and things <laughs> uh, backing up 
guys like my brother, man. I, I can't imagine anybody else to do it with, and I'm honored to share it with him and, and for him to be kind enough to, to step up to the plate next to him. Yeah, you He's guys... still talking about Tyler, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it. No, you guys are in like such a cool position because you get to talk to players and coaches on, on a weekly basis. It's really awesome. I'm a, I'm a little jealous of that. Uh, but for you guys to have a show like this where you can kind of bring the behind the scenes a little bit forward uh, where possible, um, it's a really great combination. I'm glad you have this show. Uh, I want to pick your brains a little bit about some of the news this week. A lot of this you, t- you covered in the show, so I'm sorry we are going to replay that. But uh, if you don't mind talking about, we lost two coaches in one week uh, right in the very beginning of the season, before the season for both of these guys, uh, for one of these guys, rather. Um, Oklahoma Roots lost their manager. Also, Hackworth left Louisville. That's really crazy. Um, Devin, you want to get us kicked off on these two? That I can't believe that those two – of two great clubs losing two good coaches, or at least Hackworth we know is good. So where to begin? Yeah. This kind of puts us in an awkward spot. Um, why don't, why, why don't I play out how we found out? Let, let's start there. So yeah. we actually, we were in the, in the process of recording actually had just finished recording the interview with Landon Donovan uh, due to production and the way that the day was playing out. We pre-recorded that in the morning of on Tuesday and we were going through our production call. We put them together so that we could discuss what the matchup was going to look like against Phoenix Rising on the weekend. We are about 90% through. Uh, I had one more question and our producer, Andrew Williams, had the, the chat up and pops up and he goes, check your Twitter feed, John Hackworth stepping down at Louisville City. And... It, it became kind of this thing. I, I think we talked about it on air, Mike, where he said, your guys' faces, I mean, they just dropped to the floor. We have a fantastic relationship and still do with John Hackworth. And we were just as astonished as everybody else. Um, in the position that we're in, we hear a lot of news behind the scenes. We are privy to some information prior to everybody else. Sometimes we just have information and we can't talk about it. And that was one that we just didn't see coming and had, had no clue that that was happening. Um, asked Landon, I said, did you know anything about this? Because, of course, John's son, Morgan Hackworth, plays with him. He said, you know, nothing has come my way. I'm, I'm just as astonished as you guys are. And, and the problem is from there, in terms of what we know, I, I think it's probably best if, from a confidentiality standpoint, if we just keep our mouths shut in that area. However, I will say this. You, you look at what Louisville has done work-wise in the offseason, that's still a real quality team. Danny Cruz with all the conversations that we've shared with him um, as well as John Hackworth uh, over the past couple of years, Danny is a rising star within this league and and he definitely has a great opportunity in front of him. Do I think he's capable? Absolutely. I think he's capable. I think the deck is stacked against him a little bit because anyone that's in Louisville, whether you've it's your first time there or you're coming back or you're a big name coach coming in, that's the precedent within the USL championship. Everybody looks to be Louisville city. You know, people can talk about Phoenix. You can talk about what San Diego has done. Look at the Rowdies. Nobody has done what Louisville City has done, plain and simple. So that's a lot of pressure. And I think Danny's got his work cut out for him. It's going to be difficult. Uh, I I will be interested to see what the supporting cast looks like because with Mm. Danny stepping up, rumors of former player or two being involved in the coaching staff, I think that'll be fun for sure. Sure. Um, Mike, did I leave anything out that you can fill in? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, Devin and I were working the phones. We had to um, pre-tape elements of our show for Tuesday because I was calling a game for Paramount Plus that night. So we were working the phones from the minute this news came out. Uh, who's going to be the interim coach? 
Uh, we didn't have that confirmed at the point that we taped that, that opening 10 minutes. Um, you know, there are elements of this that sort of came together late. I did end up reporting, and I don't do a lot of reporting, that Danny Cruz uh, will have every opportunity to win the job long term, that there is not an outside search committee uh, to, to begin to look into this. I, I would honestly expect Luke Spencer to be up for an assistant coaching job. Um, that's more my intuition than something I've been told. You know, it, it's a, a lot of people are going to say, oh, James O'Connor wants his old job back. I don't think that's the case. Um, it would not surprise me to see James O'Connor maybe have a, a bigger role wide ranging within the organization in the absence of John Hackworth. Um, but that's sort of where I think it stands right now. It, it was shocking to happen a week out on the other, the other coast here, Oakland. Um, I look at their roster and on paper, I kind of go, I think they're going to struggle to compete from day one. I think everything they've done off the field, the kits, the uh, Marshawn Lynch stepping in, everything is good uh, from an optics standpoint. I, I do have questions about the roster. The manager going out at this point in time certainly doesn't lend one to believe that things are all um, hunky-dory out there. So I haven't had one of their games yet. Nobody has. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to play out. I haven't spoken with anybody out there yet, and I, I very much look forward to doing so. But uh, maybe Devin's got more info on what happened out there on the West Coast. But that one also very much caught me by surprise. Yeah, so Jordan Farrell, their technical director, is going to step up and be their interim with the departure of Dario. Here's what I can say. I've heard for a long period of time, and I'm with Mike on this one. I haven't spoken to anybody. I am the last person to pass overall judgment on a situation that I haven't had a direct influence interaction with. So I haven't spoken to anybody in the front office or on, on the coaching staff. I can tell you this players aren't happy. I know that for a fact mm -hmm. I've been told since last fall that it's a dumpster fire. And that's not the phrase that I use. That's words that's coming to me from players that are on the roster that were previously on the roster. Guys aren't happy. Um, I don't think it's fair for me to share some of the stuff that they're going through out of respect for my relationships with those guys. But I can just tell you this stuff coming out is things that you hear of that you heard of in this league 10 years ago. Ooh. And for some of the players to be treated in that manner, um, the stuff that they're going through and then you lose a coach and they talk about how the culture out there is so cool. I'd be quick to, 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 to hold those words because it's like, got to look behind just what's on the surface, right? Cool jerseys and, and cool promotions doesn't necessarily mean everything's all hunky-dory behind the scenes. And I feel for those guys, for sure, because at the end of the day, I've been in their shoes. To me, it's... Um, I look at the players and the coaches, and I, I know what that's like. And so I, I wish them all the best, and I hope it's not as rocky as I've been told, and it gets better, but um, we kind of saw what went on with the growing pains for Miami FC last year. And, and they were all together in this and they just struggled to find their way through the league. I hate to think what it could look like if, if they're not all lined up together, you know, when, when you're that's, that kind of seems like what it's going. It doesn't look like it's headed in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, good to note that this was it Dario pot. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Uh, the coach for Oakland that was, uh, that is no longer the coach uh, was hired under, is it, 
Ben O'Nagel with the the previous owner. This is the only black spot in Oakland Roots, other than this story, perhaps, uh, history that you know they got rid of an owner and he sued them, right? Because um, after the fact, so uh, obviously that wasn't a good match. This coach could be a hangover from that. It could be a continuing problem. Definitely something to watch. Um, but you know, any other um, any other facts? It's kind of hard to nail that down because I think the front office has done its job on both of these clubs, right? We got a non-disclosure agreement that was talked about by Hackworth himself. So he's not going to say anything, uh, but it does say that he is uh, open to a pro gravel bike uh, racing career. So that's kind of fun on Twitter. Um, any last thoughts before we move on to the next thing? Yeah. Uh, with, with hack, he is from my experience and, and ultimately this is such a unique business. You hear, his side, and you hear the team side, you hear the player's side. Um, to a certain extent, if you look at what Hack did in Philadelphia, and even when he left U.S. soccer, when the residency program shut down, he really didn't have a bad word to say about either of them publicly. And mm-hmm. I would go as far as to say I don't anticipate he'll have a bad thing to say about Louisville. It's shocking because it's Louisville, mm-hmm. ultimately. Uh, but... By the same token, I, I fully expect him to be back on the horse sooner than later. It, it just apparently didn't work out. I mean, it, it's just sort of the nature of things. It goes that direction. Um, but, hey, <laughs> if no one's talking about the league, then they're doing something wrong. So something yeah. to talk about from day one, <laughs> right, Phil? I agree. This, is, this has been fun, actually. Uh, no shortage of jobs for uh, Hackworth in the United States coming up. Obviously, he could be in my hometown in 2023. It wouldn't be the worst thing on the planet. Um, we've got Charlotte rumors. We've got, you know, whoever, maybe Sacramento or whoever else takes the, the I, lead in I that can, race. Yeah, I can tell you uh, I've, I've heard at least one rumor that someone had reached out to John Hackworth the morning the announcement came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, if, if rumors are true, and I won't say whether it was an MLS or a USL club, um, yeah, pe- people at least want to know what his availability is. Mm-hmm. As they should. Uh, let's move on to the groups. Uh, I want to talk about this shortly as far as uh, you guys talked a little bit about what you thought was going to be a tough conference. Uh, sorry, we've got Western Eastern Conference and we've got four divisions inside of those two conferences. Um, what do you guys think is going to be toughest? Let's let's talk to you first, Devin. You mentioned Mountain Division in the show. What do you think? Yeah, everybody looks at the way the four break down. First of all, kudos to the league for getting us that interconference play. I'm all about it. Agree. I'm, yeah, I'm stoked for that. I, I can't wait. I mean, I've been waiting for the East to beat the ever living, you know what, out of the West and vice <laughs> You know, simulation. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, um, I, I think that's going to be fun. So, so kudos to the league on that one. Um, when I look at the East and the West. It, it's back to the kind of the playoff structure that we had in 2018, where you're basically back to eight teams, right? Um, of course, we went to 10 2019, the plan, and last year was last year, the pandemic. Um, just happy we got to play. I don't see anything in the East that's not like three or four teams. Um, it, it's top heavy in the Central. It's top heavy in in the Atlantic as well, and I think it's really easy to pick them out. You're going to look at Tampa Bay Rowdies and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um you know, Charleston Battery can always throw their name into the hat. Uh, I think the Miami FC have done a lot of work in the offseason. I still think they have a lot of work to do. Mm. Paul Dalgleish, 
picked up some good players, bottom line, some real big name players, um, two former Louisville boys as well. But when I look league wide, my eye goes to the mountain division. I think people are going to go, why? Like those teams don't look that magnificent. I don't think the winner, I mean, El Paso locomotive is always consistent, right? Mark Lowry has this guys very well prepared. Tactically, they're a good squad. They slow things down. They're a little bit more methodical, but that's their style and they're good at it. They're very efficient. Outside of them, I don't think any other team in that division has an overall say that who could win it because I just think they're going to beat each other up, honestly. Mm-hmm. Marcelo Serrano is a good coach. Brendan Burke and what he's bringing to Colorado Springs. Troy Lassane has added some pieces in New Mexico United. Real Monarchs, they're going to get supplementation from Real Salt Lake this year, who is not a bad team at all, you know, and, and especially the guys that they're developing. So they're going to get some help. There go 2019. We saw that. RGV. Do I think RGV is going to get into the playoffs? If I had to bet today? No, but I think it's going to be a very different RGV than we saw before. Wilma Cabrera's back. We saw what he did for them in a couple years back. And then San Antonio. Again, San Antonio were, were the darlings of the USL Championship in 2020 for a while. I think that division is going to beat the heck out of each other. And everybody else, just like in the East, when you look at the Pacific Division, it's the same thing. You look at San Diego, you look at SAC, you look at Phoenix. I'm done there. I don't see anything else. Um, <laughs> teams have lost pieces. You don't, you don't know. And I'll tell you this, Landon Donovan, I can't take credit for this quote because I thought it, but I never said it. Landon Donovan said this in his interview when we were talking about the scenes. He doesn't know what any of those teams are going to be. Los mm-hmm. Dos, Vegas, and their affiliation with LAFC, Trundolo coming in. What does that look like? What does Tacoma look like? You know, Orange County loses a lot of, you know, Ugo Akoli, Braden is going to be there and he's got his guys, but Aiden Quinn's gone. Like, there's a lot of work that has to go into these teams and Oakland roots. We just talked about. So I think each division has three or four teams, but to me, the mountain division is just going to, I think it's going to be awesome to watch because I think every single game is going to be fighting and scrapping one nil two one biters cards flying left and right. You know, Copa Tejas fun, all that kind of stuff. That's why I like the division the most. Counteract counterattack city at the end of games in the West, I think would be a lot of fun. Um, you mentioned a few things there before we, we go on to Mike for the same question. Uh, looks like OC might be a little gutted with Aiden Quinn. I'm really interested to see what they look like. Miami may have gutted Louisville by the way we saw uh, the loss of Speedy Williams. You know, there's a definite hole there, though. Tyler Gibson, I didn't expect him to be the best six there, but it looks like he might be if, if you were just to look at one little game in, in, a, in a bad sample size. I'll just say that. Uh, but Mike, moving to you, the Indy 11 versus Tulsa matchup might prove, you know, give us something to look at as far as the East beating up on the West because we have Tulsa Western style team against Indy is just a defensive stalwart. The amount of center backs they've got, uh, that'll be a fun matchup this week. Yeah, there is an element of OKC and Tulsa bringing a little bit of the West into the East full time. But if you look at OKC, they loaded up more with Western Conference players. A lot of Fresno guys, guys from Tacoma, Sam Rogers. Um, you know, you still have guys like Arun Basulovic who's, who played in the East, but it's it's been a few years. Tulsa's a dark horse to me. I look up and down their roster and clearly, you know, money in the right areas, still have Dario. You know, there's there's reason to be optimistic. Indy until the last three weeks of the year, um, I, I expected to make the playoffs and I expected to have a chance, but they really didn't have like a truly great performance down the stretch. So as much as I want to say it'll feel like East and West, like in reality, I, I look and go, 
what is indie this year? You know, it like genuinely, I don't know. They still kept, we met Nyose and they've got a, a South American forward that they weren't able to get in last year. So there's a lot of guys where you kind of go, okay, realistically they should be improved, but you, you just don't know. So the first few weeks, I almost feel like the East versus West outside of the Phoenix and Tampa Bay game, May 15th. And we're calling that unfinished business weekend. Mm. Um, you know, like outside of that, I, I don't really have a great grip on, you know, if that's proof, you know, the long awaited proof that one side is better than the other. <laughs> me, yeah, just to step in for a second. Did you guys forget the fact that you guys, I mean, respectfully, so you, you jumped to the, the Tulsa indie game. You guys do realize that Indy's playing on the road at Birmingham this weekend. Reminder. Yeah. Oh, weird. Is it no. next week? I just did the pick so I thought it was oh, yeah, this yeah, yeah, weekend. Yeah. That's my bad. You're a week ahead. Well, I actually bad. had someone text me less than 10 minutes ago asking if I was doing Indy Birmingham. Ah. <laughs> um, a Greg Rakestraw, a good friend uh, of, of, of the pod, so to speak. Greg. Different pods. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so. for that. But, I mean, Birmingham <laughs> Indy will be a good, like, where are these teams? And this week is going to be, some, next couple of weeks, it's going to be like, what are these teams actually like? It's a, it's a good shot yeah. about what Donovan said. Everyone started at different times because everyone, you know, it was a soft launch this year. You could basically pick one of three weekends to begin your season. So Louisville's been at this now for 11 weeks. They have a bye week in between game one and game two. So what are you looking at there? Tampa Bay is starting later than Phoenix. Phoenix Mm. has been at this for two and a half months. Uh, So you know, whether it's having a game under your belt or not, having trained more or not, having injuries from, from that extended preseason, how did teams decide to prepare? Um, it, all that's interesting. I mean, it, it, this is as much a question of sports science as it is roster composition, I think, for the first month. Agree. Agree. Uh, let's do a fun one. Uh, before you go, Devin, we're going to give you your say here. I want to open up the microphone for European Super League thoughts on pro rel thoughts on CCL. I mean, this is like, talk about whatever you want, Devin, why don't you get us started? Uh, Talk as long as you can, at least before you got to go here. Sorry about that. It's PG, right? I mean, I can't fully express myself. No, no, no. I'd say R let's go on. Not NC 17, you know, (laughs) I can, I can keep it. I can keep it kosher. So (laughs) let's say this about the Super League. I think it's really cool to think about the fact that all of those teams can be playing each other on a regular basis. I'm not into that crap. I'm, mm-hmm. I just don't want to. I think it takes away the mystique of the Champions League, the entire reason that that we have these tournaments to get in there and, and to showcase yourselves at the highest level against the best teams. And, and the fact that it changes year to year, like you should have to earn that. That is not a given right. You have to earn that. Now, I think the system is broken within the Champions League, personally. I do think we need to tweak that. But the Super League wasn't the answer. Now, selfishly, switching to Liverpool because after John Henry stepped up and said his piece, which in my opinion was very well done, I kind of started to to tune out a little bit, mostly because we had all these games in front of us and had to start prepping. But I think in this day and age, it's very easy for people to get caught up in the here and now, the social media. I want the news. I want it fast. And not read through everything, you know, get through the red tape and understand what's going on behind the scenes. John Henry 
made a mistake for Liverpool. He owned his mistake. You may not like what he did, and I respect that. I can't remember who I was going back and forth with on Twitter on this, but they said, oh, they should be fined, and they should be barred from competition, and this is, this is illegal. And I'm like, well, let's get this out of the way. What they did isn't illegal. No, it's not illegal. It's frowned upon. It might be unethical. You may not like the opinion or what their actions were, but it wasn't illegal. I equated it to um, with Calcico in, in Italy. That was illegal. You know, betting scandals behind the scenes with referees and managers, match fixing, that's illegal. And that is why Italy took such a bad toll. This wasn't illegal. They stepped up to the plate and said, we are sorry. We got it wrong. We listened to the fans. We will get it right in the future. We will include all that kind of stuff because a tiered system in England that has been around for over 100 years and given them the right to get to these types of competitions is in place for just that reason. Don't mess with that crap, man. You know, they don't change that stuff up. Like it again, I think I think it needs to be tweaked, the Champions League and their system, but you don't just say, see you later, we're gonna go get money. There's this game is not about money, it's more to it. And that was the big picture here for fans, right? The pride, the emotion, everything that goes into these clubs and these games, that's what it's about. And the owners lost sight of it. I commend John Henry for stepping up and saying, Hey, I made a mistake. Mike, it looks like you were the one he was going back and forth with. Do you have any counter thoughts to that or even contributing thoughts? It wasn't Watts, by the way. Oh, sorry. It wasn't, but I, I but toss them all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I unfollowed no. Chelsea for almost 23 minutes until the statement came out that said they were out. Then I'm like, I'm back, baby. <laughs> Roman Abramovich can take my money again. Um, <laughs> And, and look, I've been a fan of Chelsea going back to Drogba. Drogba was the reason I became a fan of Chelsea in the first place. Um, so we're talking about some time, but obviously I wasn't a fan of them um, during the darker, more dreary days. Um, and, and, of course, getting to call Drogba's last pro game with this league was kind of like a what in the world is happening thing. I know Devin, I'm sure, felt the same way, but um, it, it's – it's earned. The ability to go to Champions League is earned. And I'm a big believer in a rising tide um, raises all boats. And so often, um, I, I don't care if you don't want to play on a cow pasture in Bosnia and Herzegovina. I'm sorry that's inconvenient for you. I'm sorry that you make so much money that everyone on your roster lives in a vastly different tax bracket than almost every single one of their fans. It, the, the players have earned that to an extent. The, the, the value of those contracts, the value that they bring, but it is important that Champions League remains a earned opportunity and one that's earned throughout Europe and not just for the big five leagues and not just for the teams that happen to hold all the power now because as was laid out many, many times, Manchester City was a skid mark 30 years ago relative to what they are now. And now they are a global superpower club. And, you know, talk about the money. 15 years ago. Sure. I I mean, it's just like it's not even – you shouldn't be taking away that opportunity from others. Now, that's in a system that's been around 100 years. Pro-Rel in America is a little bit different. I I think that's a slow burn. I think it should happen but it's a slow burn. So I'll say that. Devin, you got to go, but any last thoughts before you go, man? Well, I tell you what, if, if you want to do pro row real quick, I, I think it's interesting that 
the the earned thing is is relevant here as well in, in the pro rail conversation, right? I will say this: guys like Dave Sarakin, Tav Ramos, Tim Howard, having the Bob Bradley having the opportunity to pick their brains about that. I'm not going to share their opinions, but if you would be, I will say that you will be very surprised by a lot of the names that have played and been within this structure for a long time. You'd be really surprised by a lot that don't support it. Actually. Mm. Um, I do support it. I, again, with the, <laughs> sorry, my, my son is staring at me and laughing and waving. <laughs> and there, he there he is. Um, I do think it's earned. I hate the conversations about media markets and teams that belong here and belong there. Fuck that noise. I'm sorry. Like, no, you belong. Earn it. Oh, we're not performing well. Great. Go down to the lower division because you got relegated and go earn it back. You want to do better? You want more fans to come? You want to be successful? Mike's heard me go on rants like this all the time. Hire better coaches. Get better academy coaches. Develop better players. Have a better infrastructure. Take care of the people that have taken care of you. If players don't fan out, don't send them to the streets packing. Find a way to keep them around the organization. You need to find a way within your city, within your quote-unquote culture, to keep people. You think, and I'll, I'll make it relative to USL, do you think Louisville's so successful in long term because they just keep go getting the best players? Absolutely not. They keep guys around. George Davis involved, Luke Spencer involved, guys that were able to not only coach the team, but they want to stay in the city. They believe in what's going on there. They don't make decisions on financial basis. They make it on what they think is best for their culture and for their club. And that should be nationwide. So that the Chicago Fire can't put their shit together, put them down into USL. That's not a negative thing. That means you go down. Most other countries in the world, if you get promoted, you have to be able to maintain the same standard at the, at the next level. It's not just about TV contracts and money and winning, okay? How big is your stadium? What is the ground like? What is the structure support? There are teams in other countries that have won their league and don't make the jump in promotion because they don't have the ability to support the same structures at the next level. You know, it, it's real simple. And I personally think, I don't think it will ever happen in the United States. I truly don't. I really don't. And it's a, it's a shame because the, the art of competition is the ground root that will continue to push our overall product within this country. And there's going to be a void there and a gap until we, until we make that change. Tim Howard talked to me about a player recently about a player going to college and his, he got an opportunity to either stay with, I don't know which team it was, so I can't, I can't speculate there. I know what college it was. And the player had an opportunity to, to sign an academy contract and get reps within that team and possibly within the MLS squad. So it gives you an idea of who it could be because there are only a few that have two, two teams. Or go to an ACC school. Now, I know the school and I know the coach. And he said, it's hard for me to tell him what to do because he goes and plays in some of these games or stays in an academy. Those academy games mean absolutely nothing. None whatsoever. You're showcasing yourself and that's it. Excuse me. Or you're trying to work your way into that team. If he goes to college, you may not get the same development, but mentally and emotionally, it's a different growing process that these players get to take. They go beat the shit out of each other. I call College Cup in 2019 in the fall. Those guys were playing in the semifinal. It was pouring down rain. It was 38 degrees outside. You think that's not competition as yeah. opposed to playing on a Saturday where they go beat a team 7-1 in an academy game? Teams like Minnesota United who have shit academies. And I'm not bashing Minnesota United, but like those games mean nothing. Make them mean something. 
Make those young kids work for what they're working for. So it's not just, oh, I'm the best player out here. Promote me for Atlanta United's first team. That's freaking stupid. We're entitled as a culture. It needs to stop. That's all I got. I got off my soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good mic drop uh, and leave there, Devin. Uh, Thanks for stopping by, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know you're busy. Sorry, I got a jet. Um, Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us on. Happy to do it anytime. Uh, Appreciate you inviting Tyler Terrence again. And um, (laughs) he turned me down, so I got Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Watts, you know that's all love. Phil, a lot of love for you guys and what you do. Thank you, USL Show, for everything you guys do for this league. Admire it. Uh, Keep doing you. And uh, tomorrow night, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You know I don't do the time zone thing because I suck at math. ESPN2, Phoenix Rising, San Diego Loyal Channel 157 as well. That's right. Thanks, Devin. Have a good night, man. Yeah. Just know that the picture that, that sparked our most recent text thread is how I felt when you said that. <laughs> you can share that with Phil off air if you want. I'm not, I'm not clicking on that one. Not this day. Not I'm, this day. Thanks for having me. Peace. Later, Bell. A lot, of, a lot of stuff to uh, take in there, Mike. Uh, do you want to continue with that? I don't, I'm, you have to. We have to because he mentioned some pro-rel in there. But the, the American system is very different because we're trying to re- reverse engineer this thing. And uh, we've already you know, broken the seal. Everyone in the United States is used to not having an open system. Um, and so we're, we're a bit stuck here. You know, I think Devin said that it's not about the money. It's not about the level. It's about the competition. Um, but unfortunately that's just not how the American b- mindset is. Right. And we're kind of taking flack from Europe, right? Everyone's kind of blaming us for having this system, uh, for ESL in general, which is, you know, it's whatever, but, um, what do you think about all of that? Yeah, I think it's lazy reporting to just yeah. say, Oh, it's the American owners, the most vocal and still hasn't backed down set of owners are Italian and Spanish. Mm. So I I would go as far as to say there are other clubs in vastly worse financial shape that we're trying to drag everyone together. It's not to say that Liverpool, that Chelsea, uh, that Manchester United, who don't have owners from England, um, you know, had a, a different approach. Arsenal, obviously. I, I understand that. I, I understand that, you know, that was part of the breakaway theory. Uh, but I, to me, how much money do you need to print to be successful? I mean, like, isn't That's there just a, like. a, I mean, it just, yeah, it, it, I, I was really put off by the whole thing. So yeah. there's that. From a pro-rel perspective here, you call it reverse engineering. You know, the nature of real estate and stadium development for Arsenal is drastically different, given that it's a club with 100 years of history that already had a venue. Um, You're talking about in London. um, You're talking about having another venue you can squat in for a little while, but ultimately, you know, you need your own, um, you know, when they built, built the stadium there. So, you know, they spend less money for a while, get a stadium built. Arsenal fans are still there. If you look at, um, you know, some of the less performing franchises in Major League Soccer from an attendance standpoint, how much can it really suffer at this point? 
before you start doing irreparable harm. And I understand some of that goes to the theory of, well, then just relegate them and they'll work their way back up. But so often um, you're talking about ownership groups that are taking massive losses as it is. Now you're saying, okay, if you're going to take public money, doesn't that public deserve the, the, the right to know that that stadium will be hosting events of, of, of you know, MLS and mm. international and whatever caliber if they're going to lay that money out? The same way, you know, USL championship side that's doing stadium development probably wouldn't want to be told that five years later, they're struggling to pay off, you know, the, mm. the bond that was laid out. Um, if Louisville went to USL League Two, I mean, those are legitimate questions. That's not to suggest that Louisville City fans would, you know, dissipate. But, I mean, look at Sunderland and look at where they yeah. went from when Josie was there, Stadium of Light, 30,000 people. You've got Man United, City, and Liverpool coming in once a year guaranteed. And then all of a sudden they're in league one and you're looking around going, Oh my God, we might default. Mm. I mean, like that's, that's sort of the nature of it. And Sunderland and the English football pyramid can handle that. I'm not entirely confident that soccer in America can handle that widespread yet. And that so is... while I want to get there, I, I, it's really important that we don't take 25 years of trying to build this thing and throw it in the garbage if this doesn't work. It's such a really a great point that no one's brought up government money, public money, and the thought of ProRel to me personally. So that's such an interesting thought that no government's going to take that chance, much less an investor that we all think should be taking that chance. That's really interesting. Um, I find it interesting too that I think the reason we're closed is is good excuse. You know, it, there's no way MLS was going to grow the size that it is now already. I mean, it's been an insane pace, the fact, the amount that's been growing year after year after year. Um, and it's been getting better every year. It's becoming more and more like the world sport every year. Um, but it couldn't have done that without keeping it closed, you know, without the owners having the, the inflated uh, worth of, of what they own um, because of the closed system. They did show there's a percentage uh, difference between European club worth versus American club worth because it is open versus closed. It's less risk, right? You can't drop and do the Sunderland thing. I find that really interesting. So in, in some ways we do, um, we've needed it to be this in order for our uh, domestic league to grow for it's helped our national team. In my opinion, it's helped other national teams as well. Um, but, you know, maybe we can grow from the bottom up and, and maybe we can grow once, I don't know, I've had this thought for a long time that if we get this MLS Liga MX league combo, that's a step above MLS. And so you, you put some clubs in there and all of a sudden that's a boost to the clubs that are up there uh, based on competition. And then if they lose that, they go back to what they were anyway without it. So maybe that's the only chance we have. I, again, I don't see it. Like Devin was saying, I don't see them allowing that to be open because I think Mexico would love to see, Liga MX would love to see that closed. But um, God, I would hate to see more leagues started in this region without it being open. You know, maybe USL is our only hope in that regard. Yeah, I mean, we had Jake Edwards on 
for our first USL All Access with the theory being we want to lay out where are we at with the CBA, where are we at with promotion relegation, what does the current television deal mean for the future of the league mm -hmm. from a visibility standpoint, from a financial standpoint. Um, there are social issues around the league right now and certainly, you know, didn't get a chance to speak at length given that, um, you know, we had just kind of found out that, that hack had been let go. That took time. Mm. Um, but the league had already issued a statement about Charlotte's ownership group mm. about what happened last year in Phoenix. We asked Landon Donovan about, uh, what happened between Phoenix and San Diego and more importantly, how to move forward from that. So we brought them on to get really to try and get to a wide range of issues and try and be pointed with it rather than leave it wide open and, and really try and figure out where we were. Um, in terms of where we're at with promotion relegation, you know, I thought it was noted to me noticeable that he suggested it's something they're talking about, something where they're trying to put proposals together. What could this look like? It doesn't mean they're going to agree to do it this year, but it is something that's interesting. And when you look at Queensboro coming in, when you look at the interest they had in, in the, you know, uh, in the Bay area and obviously Oakland has come in, mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, there's some cities in the great lakes that are underrepresented from a professional soccer standpoint that I want to see, uh, especially being a Cleveland native. Um, it, it's promotion relegation does make some sense at this level because the, the gap is a little bit smaller between League One and the championship. But if you look at Richmond, North Carolina, you know, you're still looking at some clubs there trying to find the right size place for them. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an interesting time, but one that I think, to the credit of the league, they are looking at it. it it's not like this is happening in a vacuum. Um, they they see public sentiment, they get it. Um, I I I long felt that pro rel was like a tired talking point. I've gradually come around to the point where I'm kind of saying, okay, I'd like to see it. And then it's just trying to make sure that we aren't folding up clubs left and right um, yeah. based off off bringing that into the, into the fray. Yeah, I was excited to see what was going to happen in 2020 before COVID happened. You know, man, uh, I feel like USL could have had a really good year in that regard. Um, but COVID happened and, you know, you can't. You can't uh, put a number on that as far as uh, what the, what would have happened or what would have happened. Um, I have one more weird question, fun, open question for you, and then uh, short personal questions, and then we'll get you out of here if that's okay with you, Mike. Bring it. Awesome, dude. Thanks. Um, CONCACAF Champions League. You know, there's this talk that USL should be in that. Do you think they should be? What would be your elevator pitch on that? And, and maybe how do you see it happening? Because I don't, a lot of people think it shouldn't happen the way that um, it happens for everyone else in this country. Yeah. So I'm going to say there's uh, two sides to this issue. And I work consistently with both of those sides. <laughs> so I'm, I'm intimately aware of sort of both sides, you know, one, a desire for, for, for um, representation. Uh, on the USL side, you can argue that a closed system cuts them out of four of the five slots um, that MLS can can uh, ultimately acquire. And the only one that they have a chance at, one of the five, of course, being the Canadian Championship, 
So that's out. And, and then you look at, you know, obviously the open cup. So it's a system that does give USL a chance to get in, which is something that is suggested by CONCACAF. I also know it's the second division. What other country gets second division teams into Champions League? People say, what about the Canadian Premier League? The reason the Canadian Premier League has a slot is because it's the technical first division of Canada. It is the top division sanctioned by Canada soccer. So they get a spot not in Champions League, but in CONCACAF League, which is the feeder system to that. Now, all of this is going to change in about three years with the expanded Champions League format. So... Some of that commentary is going to be null and void sooner than later. But I can understand where the USL is coming from, where why don't we have a greater chance? Why does a knockout competition we haven't won in 20 years decide whether or not we're able to you know, compete on an international stage? And I see CONCACAF's point of saying, yes, a Canadian Premier League side, which is theoretically – from everyone I talk to, a lower standard of play, that they ultimately get a chance to get, you know, one drastic step closer. Forge, frankly, choked away the chance to be in Champions League in the first place. Mm. You know, why can't USL Championship get there? So while I personally would love to see Phoenix, Louisville, Birmingham, San Diego, um, you know, Miami get a chance to go play against you know, Real Esteli from Nicaragua, because I, I think they'd have a good chance to win that yeah. potentially. I also see the other side where, you know, look, it's, you have, you have a way in. Mm-hmm. It's just extraordinarily difficult to, to have a realistic chance to do it. Yeah, it is. But it sounds like there's a restructuring. I haven't heard details of this and I don't even know if it's public, but it sounds like there will be a chance at some point, whether, you know, whether it's easy or hard. Yeah, and, and, you know, the restructuring, it's going to be interesting. It just takes away CONCACAF League as, as a format. It's going to widen mm. the swath of Champions League a little bit. And uh, I don't know that USL is going to be involved in that. But certainly, if you're trying to make the argument you should, now is about the time to do that. <laughs> so, you know, get after it. Well said. Yeah, I think Alan on our show is the one that tweeted out something like, you know, USL teams could also lose 6-0 to an MLS team, as you were kind of inferring to in a way there a little bit ago. So, um, you know, there's there's an argument to be had, and I think you laid it out perfectly. Thank you for that. Um, let's talk about your calls. Um, I have enjoyed you last night, you know, and the night before and several weeks before that. Um a lot of alliteration in your calls, a lot of terminology that I, I, I like to listen to, you and I'll giggle from time to time. I think my favorite last night was uh, slip that one between the wickets using a cricket <laughs> reference for <laughs> soccer. I enjoy it, man. Is this just like, do you expand your vocabulary? Do you just talk like that? Or um, are you just trying to keep yourself excited when you're calling a game all alone like last night? Yeah, especially when you're all alone. I mean, someone said, you know, oh, great alliteration on Twitter, you know, quickly quelled. And, you know, like, that's not something I say often. It just (laughs) popped into my head and it came out of my mouth. I didn't have Devin next to me. Uh, You know, 90 minutes can be a mighty long time. And it was a really patient game from Columbus when they played Monterey. It was, how many times can I say Josh Williams passes to Kata? 
you know, the two <laughs> center backs. I mean, at some point, you know, you need to find other storylines or other ways to either entertain other people or frankly entertain myself. Um, you know, I, I, it's not lost on me that I, I get to call champions league football, uh, yeah. and that I have now for five years. Um, and at age 28, that means I was doing it at a really young age. Um, so it, it's not that I've lost track of how, uh, incredible that is, but you do try and find ways to sort of keep it fresh. I, I, I did the challenge cup for the NWSL last year. That was the only sport in town, uh, for a while till the USL and, and eventually MLS, you know, is back kicked off. So yeah. A lot of people were watching and going, how many times can you say he sprays the ball, she sprays the ball, you know, between doing USL and NWSL? I mean, I did like 35 games in 30 days on national TV. Uh, that gets tiresome <laughs> and you just have to get, uh, you know, adjust. The other side of it is, is I'm not doing USL word sneak week one. I'm just too over <laughs> overloaded. I'm thinking this unfinished business weekend on ESPN two, that Omaha, Greenville, and Tampa Bay, Phoenix couple of games. I'm bringing it back. Nice, bringing back word sneak, and that's where I like to really blow out the the vocabulary. Perfect. Uh, it's always fun. Uh, you know, the quickly quelled. Uh, I guess you, you just had a. I just envisioned you with a dictionary or a thesaurus, <laughs> going through the cues for the day in the morning, just to make sure you got them in. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just funny because if you think about a tackle, there, there's only so, you know, it's a challenge, it's a tackle, it's a slide. The, the play is quelled, stymied, uh, the, yeah. the tide is stemmed, um, you know, there's a nutmeg or, you know, cheekily got it through his legs or, you know, through the wickets, through the five hole. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, that may not be for, uh, you know, some fans, but I, at least for me, I just try and not say the same thing a thousand times. And if it, it gives someone a reason to smile, um, at the end of the day, my overarching motto is, is if I'm having fun, other people are too. So that's the go. goal. Perfect. Are there any lessons that you've learned in the last, let's say five, 10 years, as far as what you're calling? Like, let's say you have what you think I've never heard you perform badly, but let's say you feel like you didn't perform your best. What are the, like the common mistakes where you're like, man, I should have done better with this, or I wish I had done that. Yeah. So I actually thought I had a bad game last night. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I drove home and I'm like, I, I, it was, um, I don't like listen to rage metal or anything. It's that's not my style, but I mean, it was a pretty solemn drive. You know, when I'm down in, in Florida working at this studio, more often than not, I'm driving two hours down and two hours uh, back to where I stay down here. So that's a lot of thinking time. And uh, we had VAR and uh, it, it, the, the way they zoom in on the ref if you're in the stadium, you would think, okay, I can see where he's pointing, whether it's the midfield or it's to, uh, you know, this being offside. I knew better that the call was offside on Bradley Wright Phillips goal. Um, but I didn't trust myself. You start to hear the crowd and you see the lines on the field behind him, And you think about where the cameras are placed. You're going, okay, he's, he's given the goal. He had not given the goal. It was offside. And you know, like those kinds of things haunt me, not trusting your eyes and mm. trusting what you know to be true um, can can be frustrating. Um, 
more often than not, I find if, if I'm too focused on storylines, I'm too focused on um, sort of everything going on around me, I oftentimes lose track of the most important thing I can do before a game is sit down and go through the numbers and the names again and try and get the formation right in my head. And that the best thing I can do leading up to a game is watch film, watch highlights, and try and get caught up on what the team has done and, and truly try and listen and watch with an open mind. So, you know, I didn't feel like I had a great Columbus-Monterey game, but, you know, conversely, Friday we've got Tampa Bay and Phoenix, and it's ESPN2, and it's one channel away from the ongoing NFL draft, and it's going to be important that I – um, that I bounce back, that I have a better game. But it, I would say I do about 220 games a year and probably 15 or 20, I kind of go, okay, I need to course correct a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, I really, truly think that was a bad game. And uh, I had a funk last year. There was probably two or three weeks where I didn't feel like I had one really good broadcast. So it happens. It happens. Well, uh, I think you're on such a high level that that's not something that's on my radar. Um, and I listen to you quite a bit, not 220 <laughs> times, but, uh, my God, that's a lot of games. Um, but we appreciate you, Mike. We think you do great here, man. And, um, it's really cool. I think my favorite thing about you is that you were just like distinctly American. You could, you, and you do, you call basketball, you call football in preseason, um, and you call soccer and you know, the game. You don't sound like an idiot American trying to call a soccer game when he you normally calls baseball, uh, which we've heard in the USL in the past from other guys. Um, you're distinctly American. You know the game, and I think you do great work. So, um, you know, let that lift you on the next one. <laughs> if you felt bad about last night, I thought it was great. No, I appreciate that, Phil. And, and I think the important thing from a broadcast perspective is everyone's got to recognize you know, soccer is vastly improving from a network perspective and from a broadcast perspective. And I listen to John Champion a lot. I think he does a great job. I think yeah. he plays off the crowd in an almost Ben Scully-like way where he knows cool. he's not the center of attention, um, that there is a bit of poetic nature to it. But, you know, you're getting more skilled guys doing this, which may in the end push me right out of a job. But... Uh, barring that, uh, hopefully, you know, to USL's credit, I started working for them at 22. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's, it's been a crazy journey that, you know, my first final was the 2015 game in Rochester, and I'm still here awesome. uh, seven years later. And uh, that's a tremendous credit to them and, uh, you know, Mike Cohen, Tom Beat. So appreciate the thought, but uh, spare, spare a thought for all our uh, – all our broadcaster brethren who are just trying to get their feet. You know, it's <laughs> the one thing I hate about, about soccer fans in this country. And it's not everybody, but it's a select few is that this is our sport, not yours. Mm. And, um, you know, let, let people grow into it. They'll, they'll see why we love it so much. Agree. Well said, sir. Well, that's Mike Watts. We had Devin Kerr on a little earlier with him as well. Uh, you guys do a great job with your show. I'm, I'm looking forward to more of it. It's channel 157 on Sirius XM FC, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesday nights. Thanks again, Mike. Good luck, man. My pleasure's all mine, man. Be good. Mm -hmm.